Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Hello again, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. It was, it was good to be at another church last weekend. We were in Uganda and uh, I'm going to share about that in a little bit, but man, there is nothing like being with your church family. So I'm excited to be here. Hopefully you came expecting something from God because I think that he has something for each one of us today. Um, I wanted to start with a, a quick recap of our Uganda trip. Again, thank you guys so much for praying for us. We went there with five, really five objectives, five goals, and uh, and not sure if we were going to be able to accomplish a majority of them. And and. Praise be to God, I think we were able to accomplish every one of those goals. So the first one was to express our sympathies to uh, Vicki Lonathan. So Vicki is Pastor uh, Stanley Lonathan's widow, and so we were able to um, express our sympathies. I think we have a picture of them, don't we, Skip? Uh, that's Pastor Stanley and Vicki, and uh, they have their five kids. And so I was able to, to let them know that we are sorry that Pastor Stanley passed away um, I think it's about eight weeks now, eight weeks ago, and uh, talked to his kids and then also to the 118 children in the orphanage who all saw Pastor Stanley as a, a father figure to them. Um, also, um, Ben and Emma were able to do, walk the, the kids through some grief exercises to walk through their grief. Um, we met up with Ryan's Place out of Goshen that are it's an organization that helps people walk through grief. And they gave us some materials that we took over and walked through the kids. And that was really, really healthy and helpful. So I think that that first objective went pretty well. We also were able to reassure them that they are not alone. Um, Pastor Stanley was our contact, you know, between me and the kids uh, for the last 12 years. And so I think it was really important for me to show up and just say, hey, we're still here as a church. We're still here. We still love you guys. We're praying for you. And so that was important. Also, we were able to assess their needs um, and, uh, and try to meet those needs. And, and there, were, there were a lot of needs. Uh, we hadn't been there in a couple of years, obviously, but really nobody had been there. There are at least two or three other churches that have made trips over there and supported them and helped them. And uh, no one has been there in the last couple of years. So we were the first ones to show up and and try to, to meet all of the outstanding needs. So we bought them 33 mattresses. I think we have a picture of that. We were able to buy the younger kids clothing. And I don't know if you can see the smiles on their faces, but they were pretty excited about the, the clothing. Um, we bought sandals for the older children. This is a picture of a shoe store in Uganda. I don't know if you can see that. Trying to find, and we actually like tried to find the right sizes. It took us like an hour in that place to find the right ones. Uh, we bought them cooking supplies and utensils, tools to maintain and repair the grounds. And then we were able to bring Bibles with us. So those are the kids. If you can see that, they're holding up their Bibles. 118 kids, there were three Bibles between them. And so we were able to bring, I think it was 55 Bibles for the oldest kids and, uh, and just then really challenged them to start reading their Bibles. And they were. We, we found out later on in the trip that they were spending time reading their Bibles. So that was exciting. Um, fourth objective was to bring joy because they had really been down. Uh, they were sad. They were depressed because of COVID in the lockdown. They were all not allowed in school. But then with Pastor Stanley dying, that was even worse. And so 
they've been really uh, down and sad. And so we're able to bring joy. Here's a, a quick video of Emma dancing with some of the kids. I'm not sure if Emma knew the words or not to that song, but it was <laughs> hallelujah. Uh, uh, uh. Did you know Jesus loves me? Did you know it? You picked it up. But the kids weren't in that type of a mood when we first showed up. But over the days, we saw their attitudes changing and joy kind of taking over in the dreamland. So that was pretty exciting. We also um, did a big celebration feast and this is just one of many pictures of these kids so excited to have meat. Um, I, I think I posted a picture of three goats that really made these kids very, very happy. Just so you know, <laughs> things are different over in Africa. Um, and then we, uh, the kids wanted to play soccer in the local leagues within the refugee camp, but they needed uniforms to pull that off. So um, we bought them uniforms and shoes. I think this is the boys, older boys team. This is the girls team. They were super excited about having uniforms. And then the little kids, they all got uniforms too. And the older boys played their first game uh, since we've been back and they won two to one. So they're like, yeah, we're back. You know, that's kind of what they were saying. They're excited about that. We brought candy, uh, lots of, lots of candy and they were excited and, uh, Frisbees that never thrown a Frisbee before. So I'm not sure those Frisbees are intact anymore. They were, they were playing those things a lot. And then the last thing was we began to make a plan for the older children. Here's a couple of the older boys. Um, and uh, our, our plan is, as they're aging out of the orphanage, is to try to figure out how do they start taking care of themselves. They've all been in school, but with schools closed, what are some of those next steps for them? And so I was able to have some conversations and... Uh, in fact, we're, um, we're sending a couple of boys to um, Juba in South Sudan, hopefully tomorrow, to uh, get their passports. Um, our, our hope is that we might be able to bring some of them over here to go to school as well. So we're starting that process, that plan. You can be praying for that. So thank you guys so much for your prayers. The, the trip was difficult. It was hard, uh, but it really couldn't have gone any better. I, I don't think it could have gone any better. So I appreciate you guys praying for us. All right, to move into our message for today, has anyone seen this movie yet? It's called The Jesus Music. Anyone seen that? The Jesus Music? Uh, I saw it a few weeks ago. It is a documentary about the, the beginnings of the Jesus movement and uh, Christian music, modern-day Christian music that we have today. And it really was kind of a documentary of my life, not because I was on stage, but I was I was in the audience many, many times uh, during this, this movement. I listened to a lot of Christian music, and it was super exciting for me to watch it. If you haven't seen it, I'm, I'm sure it'll show up eventually on Netflix, but you might want to check that out. But one aspect of Christian music is what we're going to focus on today. It's, it's worship music. Okay, it's an aspect of Christian music. It's worship music. And I want to talk a little bit about the history of worship music. The first recorded worship songs uh, in the Bible are the songs of Moses and Miriam in the book of Exodus. 
as they were singing songs about being delivered from the Egyptians. And then later on, uh, in the book of Psalms, King David wrote many, many worship songs. Uh, And you could think of the book of Psalms as really a songbook for the early Christians. And that was the worship, uh, really, for centuries. And then in 590, Pope Gregory I collected and codified worship songs in Latin. And these were known as Gregorian chants. And a friend of mine said, yeah, I used to listen to that. I was listening to some of that this week. And he said, I I used to listen to that when I studied in college. And I'm like, I can't listen to this. This is awful. Um, Anybody like listening to that? Like, oh, you guys. Yeah. Wow. I can't. Anybody want to sing out? Yeah. No. (laughs) Just just Google Gregorian chants and you'll, you'll hear what we're talking about. Um, but then, you know, it really, worship music moved into hymns, right? It moved into hymns. Amazing Grace was written in 1772. And I grew up singing hymns. These are uh, the two hymn books that I had in my church, the Mennonite Hymnal and Life Songs. Um, yeah, for the three of us that grew up Mennonite, right? We, we remember that. So, <laughs> yeah, four, four of us that grew up Mennonite. Um, Number 606 in the Mennonite hymnal was my favorite. Yeah, the anthem. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him all creatures here below. Praise Him all... All right, we're good. Yeah, you guys, I heard the harmonies in there. That was impressive. Yeah, anyway. And so that's what I grew up singing. And then in the 60s and 70s, worship choruses began. And the Vineyard Movement was the, was really a big part of that. And uh, John Wimber, this is a picture of early Vineyard worship. And that's John Wimber, who is known as the father of the Vineyard Movement on the piano. And they sang songs, wrote songs like, Change My Heart, O God, Pour Out My Heart, Light the Fire Again, if you remember some of those. And so that was kind of like the 60s, 70s, maybe a little bit into the 80s. And then it started to change even more. Uh, Today we have worship artists like Matt Redman and Chris Tomlin and Carrie Job. By the way, Carrie Job is coming into Elkhart in a couple of weeks. We're going to go see her. And then there's many different Christian worship bands like Hillsong, Bethel, and Maverick City uh, as well. And then my favorite, which is Elevation Worship. Anyone heard the song, It Might Get Loud? Um, That's a whole new different style of worship music. But if you haven't heard that song, you should Google that as well. Now, Christian music has come a long way, all right? Worship music has come a long way. But here's a question I want us to try to answer today. Why should we gather together and sing songs of worship? Right? I mean, we like, we like listening to this. Um, we might like watching the videos. But why, when we gather together, should we sing songs? Why don't we just listen to them in our cars? Now, purely from an outside perspective, it's a little strange that we get together and sing songs, isn't it? 
That's just, I mean, from an outside perspective, it's a little strange. I mean, when I was growing up in high school, when they would sing like the school song, man, I never sang it. Like the cool kids didn't sing that. I'm sorry if some of you guys sang that song. But, um, <laughs> you know, the cool kids were like, I'm not going to sing that. Or let me ask you this. In your last business meeting, did you start it out by singing a song? No, right? Or when you met some friends at a restaurant, did you hold hands and sing Kumbaya before you know? No. It's, it's a little strange that we sing songs when we gather together. So why do we do it? Why do we do it? Well, one of the reasons is because Scripture says that we should. Right. Um, here's just three scriptures from the book of Psalms. Uh, chapter 95, verse 6 says, Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. So this idea that as we come together, we should worship together. Chapter 34, verse 3 says, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And then chapter 107 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for, the, for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind. Let them exalt him in the assembly of the people and praise him in the council of the elders. So it's this idea that when we gather together, we are supposed to worship. We're supposed to sing songs of worship. But besides being obedient to scripture, is there a reason for us to sing songs? together. And I would say, I think there's a lot of reasons we should sing songs together. One of them is that, man, there's a lot of power when we agree and sing songs together. I mean, a lot of power. So today we're going to talk about this. I'll give you a couple more reasons why we should sing songs of worship together. We're in a series called Gathered Together, Revisiting the Purpose of the Church. And uh, our key scripture comes from Hebrews chapter 10. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. And so this whole series has been about why we should keep meeting together when we have a society and a culture saying you shouldn't meet together anymore. That's, that's old school things. We should no longer do that. And uh, I would say that we should keep Meeting, meeting together. And last week, um, Rose, my beautiful wife, preached a message on prayer. And if you missed that, I would encourage you to watch that online. It's a great reason. But that's one of the reasons we gather together is to pray and agree together. But today, we're going to have two key scriptures. Uh, the first one's going to be in the book of Ephesians. You can turn there if you would like. Um, both of these scriptures come from letters written to churches in modern-day southwestern Turkey, uh, the church in Ephesus and the church in Colossae. And so we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and then Colossians chapter 3, verse 16. All right, starting with the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then turning a few pages over to Colossians, chapter 3, verse 16. 
It says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through, and again it says this, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. So those two sections of Scripture are pretty closely related, so we're going to be sharing from both of those today. But our message today is called Gathered to Worship. It's one of the reasons we gather together is to sing songs of worship to God our Father. And so I'm going to give us a couple of reasons why we should uh, gather to worship. In fact, Will, our worship director, is going to give us our second point today, but I'm going to give us the first one. But first, let me pray. So Father, I thank you again for your word. I thank you, Lord, for this church family. Lord, I thank you for the freedom to gather together today. So Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, that if we are off a little bit in our thinking, Father, I pray that you would adjust our thinking. And Lord, I pray that you would give me and Will your words to speak your truth. Give us ears to hear. Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so you can fill this in on your handout if you would like. We should all gather to worship because, number one, we will encounter God. We will encounter God. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit comes when we sing songs of worship and adoration and fills us up. But not just the Holy Spirit. I would say when we sing songs of worship and adoration to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they all show up. They all show up. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, he says, where, For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So Jesus is acknowledging that when we gather together, he shows up. All right, so the Holy Spirit's there. Jesus the Son is there. How about God the Father? Well, here's a scripture that talks about God showing up as well. It's in Psalms chapter 22. It says this in the NIV, Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One, talking about God. You are the one Israel praises. Now, I love the NIV, teach out of the NIV, um, but sometimes, I, you know, there, is, there are different ways to interpret the, the Hebrew. And so the NLT says it this way, in the same verse, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And then the King James says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. So I looked up, because there's a difference there. So I looked up the Hebrew word for enthroned on or inhabitest, and it's this word yashab. Yashab, that was in the original Hebrew. And it means to sit down, to dwell, to remain, to settle, to abide. So if you can picture this, when we sing songs, and this is, when I, when I was thinking about this this week, when we sing songs of worship and adoration, they go up to God and it's like he just, he stops what he's doing and he looks around and he goes, ah, oh, they're singing again. And he just sits in and just dwells in that worship. It's like a sweet incense that goes up to him. So we have God the Father God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all paying attention and joining us and listening. They're our audience when we sing songs of worship 
together. Now, I grew up, I already mentioned, I grew up listening to hymns. And, uh, and that wasn't my experience in singing, right? I mean, when I first started singing hymns, I, I would do those, try to do those harmonies, and I would focus on the words, and, and that's how I grew up. I, it, I'm, I'm sure that when they were originally written, they were very worshipful for that day and age, but by the time, you know, this punk rock guy in his 80s, you know, was, was, or in the 1980s was trying to listen and sing this, it wasn't relating to me. But I joined this home group, and there was this gentleman named Bob who brought a guitar, which, again, we never had a guitar in my church, so it was kind of odd for me. And he started singing these simple songs of worship. Uh, many of them were from the vineyard, you know, those early vineyard songs. And I remember thinking, when are we going to be done with this? I mean, he keeps singing the same words over and over. I mean, I'm used to, you, you sing a verse and you're done with it. You go to verse two and you go to verse three, but he would go back and he would sing the same one over and over. And so I, I, I endured it for a while and then I would just start singing along and, and pretty soon I had the songs memorized, so I didn't need to look at the song sheet anymore. And so I closed my eyes and I was just singing and thinking about other things, but eventually my mind would come around to the words that I was singing and I started to think about the words that I was singing. And I started thinking about who I was singing to. And I began to worship the God of the universe, maybe for the first time in my life. And you know what happened? God showed up. The Holy Spirit showed up. We were singing these songs, and I would feel like little goosebumps. You ever felt that? Like, ooh, really little goosebumps. And I would, I would, I would sometimes feel like, like I needed to cry. I wouldn't cry, but I would feel like I needed. No, there were times I would, I would actually cry. And I would, I, would, I would hear maybe things that God was saying to me. Because when God shows up, he's not silent, right? And so that's, that's how I started to learn how to worship God. And I loved and I craved for those moments when we would join together. Now, I, I play my guitar and, and sing early in the morning by myself. And, and I think it's important to learn to worship, you know, alone. But there is power when we worship all together. And uh, when we were in Uganda last Sunday, Emma and Ben led worship. They, led, they did three songs. And um, one of the songs that they did was Reckless Love. And, and most of the people in the audience knew it. And they were singing this. The power went out. The sound system went out. And so it was just Emma and a keyboard that was playing through the speakers uh, in the, the keyboard. And you had all these people, you know, singing the chorus. And I closed my eyes because, again, I, knew, I, knew the, I know the words to that song. And as I was just worshiping God and the reckless love of God, I just had an image of God the Father on the throne. And he was telling me, he can't wait for me to be with him. And I've never experienced that before. And I began to weep because there was this love of God the Father for me. And it happened because we were worshiping together. The Holy Spirit showed up. God the Father showed up. So when we sing songs of praise and adoration, God takes notice. Here's your fill-in. If you want to get God's attention, join some friends and sing some songs. It may be odd in the world's eyes, but man, there is power when we do that.
Will, come on up here. Will's going to take us into point number two. Would you guys give him a hand? This is his first time speaking here, so. Well, good morning. We'll go ahead and jump right into point two. So you can fill this out on your handouts. It says, we should all gather to worship because we become more like Jesus. Colossians 3.16, it says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through hymns, songs, with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Uh, really quick, a couple definitions. That message of Christ, it's a couple words. It's logos, so a word uttered by a living voice, or a living voice embodies a concept or idea. And also Christos, if you can roll your R's better than I can, is the anointed one. We know that's Jesus. That's the Messiah, the living Son of God. Um, so what's important about this, I'm going to summarize this really quick. I actually can put, put the next line. The message of Christ is a word uttered by a living voice and inspired by or embodied by Jesus. So when Jesus lived and walked on the earth, like he was the word that came and dwelt among us. He became flesh. But the words that he uttered, that was the heart of the Father through Jesus. We have many of those um, written down in the, the written words, the Bible, Scripture. And all of that is 100%. It's applicable, but it was God's word to us. It was Jesus, and he was the word. But there's still a living voice that speaks to us today. And that is the spirit of Jesus, or as we call him, the Holy Spirit. But I want to see this in Scripture. Then John 14, starting in verse 24, it says, These words you hear are not my own. This is Jesus talking. It says, They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So what's cool about this is the Holy Spirit's doing the same thing today. He's teaching us Jesus. He's speaking forth Jesus. He's reminding us of him and his teachings, which ultimately are the Father's heart. So what Jesus shared and did in one spot, one location at a time, the Holy Spirit now does that from within every one of God's children. Why this is important for us to, today is the message that Jesus gave, it changed people. When he taught, it changed the way they viewed God and their relationship to him. It changed the way they viewed their husbands, their wives, their kids, um, the elderly, the widows in the community. It changed the ways they looked at government um, and submitting to authority in every aspect of their life changed because of the word that went out from Jesus. So the fact that we still have the spirit of Jesus inside of us, if we can receive that word, it's going to change us and make us look more like Jesus. And that's God's goal for us. So our goal in worship is to love God, and we need God to teach us how to love him well through his spirit. How do we see this in corporate worship? I was watching a video on, um, on worship, a conversation between Phil Wickham 
and Brian Johnson. You may have heard of them, but they're just incredibly gifted worship pastors, worship leaders, but they're also songwriters. And they were talking about their process for songwriting. And what was interesting to me is that most of the songs that they've written were stemmed from these corporate worship gatherings where the Holy Spirit would just give them a word or give them a phrase. So they're worshiping, they're singing our songs like we were doing this morning, and then God gave them a word. And they wrapped around it, and they spoke it out, and the Holy Spirit fell on it. God inhabited their praises. And they circled back later to their um, video recordings, and they'd say, hey, God was on this moment. Let's create some lyrics around this. And they go back to scripture and find some ways to package it in a way that the church at large could also encounter God in that same way. Uh, one example, this is a different group that wrote this, but you hold it all together. We're singing this song in a little bit. And I want us to look at the lyrics of the bridge. It says, God of my present, God of my future, you write my story, you hold it all together. And I was like, well, I believe this, but why do I believe this? I want to see it in scripture, because all of the songs that we sing should reflect the heart of scripture. So the first couple lines, God of my present, God of my future. Thought of Hebrews 13, 8, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. So the same God that was over my life 21 years ago and today is the same God that's going to be with me 20 years from now. He's always the same. He's unchanging. The next line, you write my story. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He's writing our story. We still have free will, but he knows what we're going to do and his involvement in our lives on every step. Next line, it says, you hold it all together. Colossians 1.17 says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Those are just the things that when I was writing this up and first looked at the bridge, those immediately came to mind. There are so many. Scripture um, doesn't just repeat itself. It's all so cohesive with itself because the same spirit that spoke it through Jesus, the spirit speaking today, and it's the Father's heart, so it, it all goes together so, so well. And our songs reflect that. Um, so all of the songs, just to let you know, um, that we sing from stage, they all align with the written word of God through the Bible. And many of them stem from these corporate worship gatherings where the Holy Spirit spoke and the whole room wrapped around it. So I'm going to make this really, really practical for us. Uh, we're going to talk about how we can cultivate a space where the message of Christ, his truth, can dwell. So every time that we gather into worship, these are steps that we can all individually take to be able to let his word, his message, dwell among us. First one up on the screen already is, I ask God for truth. Ephesians 1.17, it says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. We want to see God in every single worship set. Every time we come in, if we just sing these songs that feel good or whatever, it's not worth it. We want to see Jesus at the end of the day. 
So we need to ask for his truth consistently and boldly. Second point is listen for truth from the Holy Spirit. We already read the scripture from John 14, and it's talking about the, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is actively seeking out the things of God, his, his characteristics, his likeness, and he's revealing that to his kids. Sometimes we have to wait for it, but it's worth it. To wait on the Lord, wait for his word. When you ask, he might not give it right away, but wait for it patiently. And again, just because I want to make sure we get this, our worship should be in agreement with Jesus' written word. God's not a God of confusion. His spirit's the same. So the message that he gives should always line up with the heart of Scripture. Number three, by faith, choose to believe the truth revealed. It is written, I, I believe therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak. Because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. And that also leads us to point four. It says, sing the truth. Let the message of Christ dwell among you. Later it says, singing to God with gratitude your hearts. I don't know about you, but like, I really enjoy the times we get to gather together and we, we worship God and I can feel his presence in the room. One thing I was convicted about, though, was like, if I always only come to feel God and to get something out of it, I'm just getting like spiritually fat, spiritually constipated. Like we have to actually respond in gratitude, in song to him for what he's done. You can laugh, it's okay. Number five, allow the truth to change us. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another. There's participation involved in this. Um, we do live in a world that says, like, what's right for you isn't right for me. Like, the God that I serve, he kind of allows this lifestyle or thing, but your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth, as if God kind of molds to your personality, like a healthcare plan or something. But he doesn't. God is the same yesterday and today and forever. He is the way, the truth, and the life. When we encounter his truth, when we encounter Jesus, sometimes in order to come in alignment with that truth, we have to shift. So if I'm believing one thing and I'm pretty set in it and from all the knowledge and the wisdom that I have, that's where I've landed, but then God speaks and shows me that this is the truth, I have to move myself to come in alignment with that truth. Sometimes it's a new revelation. It's a, maybe a new, a new thing I learned about God. Not that God is developing these new characteristics because he's the same, he's unchanging, but my knowledge of him has grown. That is when someone's teaching me something. When God's teaching me something or teaching me something through another person. Or sometimes it's a loving correction. I get this so much, which is admonishing. It's this gentle rebuke. 
And that's what I just kind of talked about, is when God speaks and you realize, oh, I've stepped out of line from what's really true. And you have to correct that. So those five steps really quick. How we can cultivate a space where the message of Christ dwells. Ask God for truth. Listen for truth in the Holy Spirit. By faith, choose to believe the revealed truth. Sing the truth and allow that truth to change us. Now, I've loved, especially over the past few years, worshiping God in the secret place. What that means is it's just me and God. So usually it's me locked in like a little bathroom because the acoustics are amazing in there. Or at my home with a guitar, with a piano, whatever it looks like, but it's just me focused on him. And God does show up in that. Like he'll speak to me and it's necessary. The things that I do in that space come out here as well. But what I've also found is there are some times where I'm going to God about a certain thing, and I'm like, God, I need you to speak on this. And he'll just tell me to wait, and I get angry. But I, I wait, and then I'll come into a corporate worship gathering where the church body is all together, and I'm just doing my little thing, praising Jesus, and that's when he'll speak on that little thing that I addressed in the secret place. One of the things that taught me is God cares a lot about his children gathering together to worship him. One little story, um, I was traveling with a ministry full-time as a children's minister. So I was a teacher, but I was also doing like photography and all that. But um, every week we were going to a new church and hosting a revival conference. We had a worship team. It was great. I wasn't on the worship team. I was kind of there. But during that time, I just felt like really, really, really alone, even from God. Like, um, I knew that he had he'd given me this promise, like, all right, you're going to be doing worship ministry one day. And so I was like, all right, I'm in. Let's do it. And he called me to travel on a road team doing children's ministry. And it confused me, and it made me distance myself from God. I was like, if that was you, if he told me that I'm going to do worship but I'm not doing it right now, like, you've kind of just, like, left me on the wilderness almost. I felt alone. But as we were worshiping all together, and we're focusing on him, and we're loving him, and I'm feeling alone, God just spoke to me and said, Will, I never left you. I was like, oh. So if I'm feeling distant, it's because I've stepped out. And he brought, the Holy Spirit brought scripture into my mind. It was God's saying that I will never leave you or forsake you. It's like, okay, so the truth is that God is with me. God has made himself available to me. I need to run to him. So that was this gentle admonishing of God, showing, like, you've stepped out. I want you to come back. And so that worship experience became me just surrendering to God, thanking him for speaking. Um, but those happen so often for me in corporate worship gatherings. And God's doing different things in every person all the time. We can sing the same chorus, but it's for a million different reasons. The way that I see that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever looks different from the reasons that you think that God is the same yesterday, and today, and forever. But the truth is the same. And it highlights that in his character when we all gather together.
and corporate worship. Here's your last feeling really quick. Our worship should be marked by thankfulness. The Holy Spirit reminds us of who Jesus is, and as we thank him for what, who he is and what he's already done, that positions our hearts in faith to believe him for the next thing that he tells us. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to gratitude with gratitude in your hearts. So when we allow the message of Christ to dwell among us richly, we become like Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and invite Clint and the the whole band to come on up, and we're going to finish our time with worship. Well, that's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofvineyard.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.